Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Arab Halaby. Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. That's what AM870 is all about. And the Total Financial Hour. There's a few things I want to bring to your attention as we are uh, undoubtedly heading toward an economic uh, correction. Some say a recession. You know, recessions can last a few months. They can last even a couple of years. Uh, if they last for a long period of time and they go deeper, then it's a depression. The Biden administration has spent earlier uh, last year indicating that, uh, hey, guys, don't worry. Uh, I know that a recession is two quarters with negative GDP, which means the growth, right? If you take the, so gross domestic product, if you take everything that Americans produce, so every man and woman that's working in this country, and you add it up, right? There's a dollar figure. You add up the value of what they produce. That is a gross domestic product. It's a little simple. I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but I want you to understand it. You take everything the country produces, and if it's more this year than last year, then this year has an increase. If it's more this month than last month, then we're at an increase. And the goal is for a country to always be growing every single month. Traditionally, the United States grows two, three, four, five percent a year, something like that. Under President Obama, he said, what are you going to do, President Trump? What, what uh, 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 try to just wave a magic wand? Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, that's my Biden, uh, Obama administration. It, uh, my impression, just so you know. Yeah. The Obama administration made it very clear that President Trump, uh, or at least candidate Trump at the time, was full of baloney. No way could he bring in 2 and 3%. Those days, Obama said, were behind us. Then President Trump comes in. It's kind of like uh, morning in America again. Remember that? Uh, President Reagan's theory? Remember? Morning in America again. That wave comes through the United States. He starts repatriating. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can tell. Uh, bringing money back. Right? From Ireland, from China, saying companies, you're going to have to relocate back from Canada, from uh, England. 
bring those dollars home here as a corporation and we're going to tax you, but very little and one time only. And then that those uh, assets, those dollars that are repatriated back into the United States are now dollars that are in this country, can be used by this country uh, buying uh, equipment and employing people and buying land and expanding factories. And suddenly, surprise, we had an economic boom of 3 4% per year. Well, fast forward to Biden's administration, and President Biden in 2022 has a negative quarter and then another negative quarter, which is three months. So they take an average of three months because any one month, something can happen. A hurricane, Christmas holiday, right? It can be up or down, a big snowstorm can wipe out in three, four days, five days, maybe even a couple of weeks and put regions of the country into an economic short-term problem or a short-term gain. Okay, when that occurs, the United States kind of measures for that. It it says, well, we're going to give account not any one week or even one month. We're going to take a quarter, three months. All right. So we think uh, an economic recession was here last year. Inflation follows it. That's a very bad sign, I want you to know. Usually it's one versus the other. In this case, you had the economic downturn in the United States, two quarters in a row. Then you had inflation start to increase. And then you had a restriction of supply. You had a restriction of supply at the same time of certain economic goods, but now you have a restriction of the supply of energy. So even if everybody goes, whew, we are out of the woods. Let's start building our factory. And they go, oh, wait a second. You can't use natural gas to run those mills, run that equipment. You can't use propane to run the forklifts. You can't use electricity because of the cost and the infrastructure doesn't support it to run your factories. So people say, well, maybe I'm just not going to build in the United States right now. Maybe I'm just going to slow down. Maybe I'm not going to build at all. In fact, we are seeing more and more layoffs, aren't we? So year over year, what are the layoffs? Well, they're not small. They're big. And the layoffs are going to keep coming, along with union unrest. And I think this is an example of what's to come and how we can fight it, how you can combat it, so to speak, in your own life, is by doing a few things. Number one, remember that you have to retain cash. You need money. I don't mean cash at home, although I want you to have some money at home for sure. But I mean you need to retain cash in your portfolio. A bank, money market account, CD, something like that. Keep it somewhere where it's safe. You can access it. Keep it available. Why? Because I think good deals are going to be coming around the corner, whether they're stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whether they're annuities, whether they are, like right now, there's there's certain annuities that are running uh, huge bonuses. That means you put money in, they put money in. Why? Well, if you didn't have access to money, if you didn't have cash as king, you couldn't do it. So right now, good opportunity if you want income for retirement. We'll get to that in a minute. Right? All of these different options are available if you can act. Real estate. What if that's the next thing for you? Well, you've got to look and see. Do I want to buy another uh, home or office building or, or, or rental property in California? Maybe not. Right? There's a reason that there are U-Haul trucks leaving. <laughs> go to the 10 freeway. Go to the 15 freeway. Take a look at the, the, 
the 40 and the 60 that run across the United States, the 80, right? They're gone. And their back is to the, is to the state of California. That's important you understand that because it isn't one person, one group. And from now on, I want you to talk about the left wing, right? It's so easy for the media to let it roll off their tongue or oh, the right wing Republican, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right wing Matt Gates. No, no. How about left wing Joe Biden? How about left wing? There's a far left wing of the Democrat Party. Forget saying progressives. Nobody knows what that is. Left wing. That's derogatory, just like the right wing is. We use it. Use it. You're not cursing. You're not dishonoring your family name. You're just going to say left wing. Right? The left wing, Diane Feinstein. Oh, here, she's not as bad. Oh, she's as bad. She has a, had a Chinese spy and nobody said anything about her. They left her on all committees. They didn't talk about her judgment. The left wing, Eric Swalwell. Adam Schiff. The left wing, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff's a left wing congressman, the left-wing congressman, Adam Schiff. That's how you got to produ- uh, bring it up. You, you have to, right? This isn't the old gentleman's game where you're wearing your suit and talk, hello, mate. Yes. And you slap somebody with a, with a glove and then they slap you back and I must get my satisfaction. <laughs> and you throw it on the floor and then you duel. You are dueling. You are trying to be the professional. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't that way. Well, if we lose, you understand, we lose when we come down to their level. Listen, that's a nice platitude, and maybe you're right. But I'd rather lose, go to their level, and still be an American. I'd rather lose and go to their level, and maybe, listen, I don't want to be dishonorable. I don't. I have my mom and dad, my parents, my family name. That all matters. But I also don't want to lose the fight. Because when the other side cheats, or at least doesn't play fair, as if that is even a thing, and only one side plays fair, can you say ballot harvesting, right? Only one side plays fair, can you say not voting if you're illegal, right? I mean, you realize if you're an illegal alien, you're not allowed to vote, and some of them do. They throw this absentee ballot thing everywhere, and you're trying to say that, but I got to play fair. I get it. I mean, I want you to be honest, but I, I don't know what the word fair means. Does the fair mean the word fair mean you're going to lose? Well, I don't want to lose. Thank you. I don't want you to be doing anything illegal. I don't want you to do anything just like President Trump. Listen to the entire January 6th speech. Look at a transcript, for heaven's sakes. You don't have to like that these guys went into Capitol. I thought that was dishonoring. I don't know if it was illegal. It was trespassing for sure. The first coup in history with the guy in a, in a buffalo hat and a painted face. Yeah, that's it. The coup attempt. Those banana republics can learn something from our guys. That's for sure. Darn it. Got to show them how we do it. First coup attempt in the world where people without any weapons at all were let into the Capitol by a, uh, an open door, by the police officers that opened the door and said, come on in, stay over here, don't do this, do this. Expecting people to yell and scream in the middle of the Capitol, to, to chant, probably sing the national anthem, do some things. Not encouraging them. Of course, I'm on the side of the officers here. They, they weren't encouraging them to open offices and try to steal things and, and uh, you know vandalize items in the hallway. Heck no. 
And those men and women that did that should go, well, I don't know about jail, but they certainly should be fined and, and you know, given a, a ticket or something. But did, did you see any FBI raids at the folks that went, over, went after that Seattle police station? City Hall. No, it's got to be City Hall. No, no, you didn't. Huh. Uh, did you know? I know. Hey, just between you and I, the FBI is gearing up right now as we speak. Remember those people that occupied the Portland police station? Yeah, two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah, those people. Any minute now, the police are going to raid those son of a guns and protect democracy. I'm, I'm feeling it. State police are coming. Wait, they're not? Hmm. Well, that's weird. I guess sometimes it's not right and sometimes it is. Oof, it's exhausting to follow along this game. So what do I think you need to do? Well, I think by, I'm telling you, listen, I think turmoil and uncertainty is the word of the day. I think you have to have cash as king. I, I think you have to prepare to get reasonable rates of return, get away from the risk in the market. That's me. Everybody's different. You want to take a risk with something good, go for it. But don't expect to have it next month or next year when you need it. It might be there, but maybe not. If it is there, great. If you doubled your money by the weekend because you bought the right stock, the right Bitcoin, the right uh, uh, crypto, whatever, good for you. I'm happy. But I don't want you to say, well, honey, I've closed my eyes. I haven't opened my statements. You guys remember those days? Remember that? Yeah, I don't mean just 2008 or 2000 or 2001 or 2002 or 2008 or 2015. I don't just mean 2020 or 2022. What is it going to be like the next time you open your statement? You're going to be happy, maybe. Remember? Remember when you didn't open those things up? Remember? Remember? When I grew up in the Valley, remember? Yeah, remember? You didn't open your statements. Well, is that what you're going to do? When you retire or when you're ready to retire or when you want comfortable, a comfortable lifestyle? How about this? You get a steady stream of income. It comes from any source. You're not worried about anything above uh, you know, a certain amount. I need 5000 a month to live comfortably. Great. 5000 a month to live comfortably. After that play, take a risk. Go and buy your cryptocurrency or that, or that uh, you know, pork bellies or something. You do those things with a little bit of the risk that you can afford. I'm okay with that. What I don't want you to do is lose everything when the market goes down. What I don't want you to do is to say, oh, sorry, honey, we can't pay our electric bill. Or remember that gas bill that was $50 last month and this month it's 460 Do you realize what they're trying to do? What the left wing is trying to do? And you have to talk about this. I want you to use those words from now on, left wing. The left wing Gavin Newsom, remember him? Yeah. Gavin Newsom, the left wing Democrat governor. That's how you have to talk about these people. Don't let them do the narrative. Because do you really think at the end of the story, if you're out there, yeah, 
let's just say you go to fill up your gas in your tank, gas in your tank, and, and you do it, and it's $70 more, yeah, more, $70 more to fill it up than last week. Okay. One time, it's not going to change your life. It stinks. You probably won't go out to dinner this weekend, but 70 bucks is a lot of money, but it's okay. But now it's every week. Now it's $280 a month. Oh, wait, you have two cars. Now you're talking about over $500 a month extra to fill up your car. Well, that's exactly what's happening to the natural gas. You see, you might deal with it for a week or two, but if it's month over month over month, and now you're telling me you're going to be able to retire comfortably? So we got to protect that. There's all sorts of guys on various radio and TV, and we all, we all have something good to say somewhere. I, I believe that. I don't believe anybody's uh, a horrible person. Maybe at one time, but right now, everybody that I hear is, is you know, decent people. Right. Okay. I'm okay with that. Everybody I hear today is a decent human being. But should you put all of your money in one place? No. Not with me. Don't put it all in in safety because you might need some risk. Don't put it all in annuities because you might need liquidity, which is access to the money, right? Hey, Eric, we need 20000 for a new roof. Got it. Make sure you have that. I don't want you to put all your eggs in the basket of gold all the eggs in the basket of real estate. You've got to meet with the financial professionals. Have a balanced approach. That's what we talk about. I don't like all your income coming from one source. I met a gentleman the other day, worked for Caltrans. Big guy, engineer, right? Smart guy. Real smart guy, actually. I know what he earns because I happened to, to look him up. We were at a, a party and I happened to just look him up on transparentcalifornia.com because it's available. I saw what his income was. Probably by the time he took taxes out, right around $12,000 a month in his pocket. Hello. Caltrans employee, $12,000 a month in his pocket. That's great. Good for you. Whew. So what are you saving for your retirement? I asked him. I don't know. However we got on it. What do you do, Eric? Right? That's what we say. What do you do? What do you do? I said, well, I'm a financial professional. I specialize in making sure your retirement income is going to be there no matter what. He says, well, I have no worries because I get a pension from the state of California. I said, uh, oh, what do you do? And he tells me, and I said, oh, yeah. Uh, you realize that that particular pension, it's before I knew what, what his income was, that particular pension is about $300 billion, with a B, $300 billion underfunded. That means it's not there by... What it needs is X, and it's X minus $300 billion. I mean, let's be clear. The money is gone. It's not there. Well, my understanding, Eric, is by law, they have to fund it. That's right. You're right. Until they change the law. What? They can do that? Oh, yes, they can. Because do you really think the state of California says, and we are a bankrupt, out-of-business state. We're going to break into three, two, five states, whatever. Or... We're just not going to pay Joe his pension. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. They're going to say, sorry, CalPERS, CalSTRS, teachers, pension. We either lose the state 
as we speak, or we can pay you. I don't think we're there yet, but we will be very soon, I think. So my point is, there's going to be a point in time when somebody in the state level has to make a decision. And if you're counting on one source of income, which is a pension from any place, GE, Ford, Boeing, it doesn't matter, anywhere. You don't want all your eggs in one basket as an income stream. I want the police department, right? You guys know I'm a retired Los Angeles policeman. If you're a police officer, a firefighter in any city, state, doesn't matter, county, and you have all of your pension eggs coming from one place, is that really the right thing to do? Well, my answer is probably not. I think you should get some of your money from them, of course, get whatever. But what if they call you up on the phone or you get a letter and they say, look, we either file bankruptcy and nobody gets anything until the judge sorts it out, or you sign this form that says you're willing to accept 75% of your pension payment. Hmm. What do you think people will do? What do you think? Right? United Airlines pilots. <laughs> they said, remember, they were saying, hey, $10,000 a month is our pension. That's what my client was receiving. And then he gets a letter in the mail, the, the bankruptcy of the uh, United Airlines back then. And they said, uh, sorry, as the pilots, we can't afford to continue to fund your pension, says United Airlines. So we're going to file bankruptcy or you accept about $4,500 a month. So what do you think he voted? Let the judge decide and anything can happen, right? Or, ready for this, how about I'll take the, the bird in the hand? That's what they said. I'll take the for sure thing. That means I don't have to worry about receiving any money. I don't have to worry about uh, am I going to get a check next month because the 4900 or 4500 and change, whatever it was, is a for sure thing. I think they're going to do that to state and county for the state of California. I think they're going to do that with the teachers' pensions. Well, Eric, if you don't understand, you're right. I could be wrong. I'm telling you. I could completely be wrong. Or maybe, just maybe, and this is just me thinking out loud, I might just be educated enough to really have a good understanding of this stuff more than others. Maybe. Maybe I did my homework. So I want you to be careful, okay? I think the state of California is corrupt. I think everybody that works up there, some of them might be good people. But it is not run by the politicians, the state of California legislature, because they all get term limits. You know that, right? But you know who doesn't get a term limit? The chief of staff, the legislative aide. You know those people that are government employees, that are civil servants that you can't fire unless they punch you in the nose? They just go from state senator to state senator, right? You either wear a red hat or a blue hat. And you're either a Republican or a Democrat, and there's, what, six, <laughs> two, five, I don't know, handful of Republicans up there. So they all just bounce around. They don't care if you're term limited out. You heard me talk about a friend of mine. He was up uh, as a Republican, and they, he and his uh, Democrat counterpart were both on uh, the committee. And it's when the Republicans were not uh, a super minority. They were still had some say in the state, so they needed... The Democrats needed the Republicans in order to have that conversation. And so here's what they said. They said, well, look, 
We'll agree to this if you'll agree to that. Typical, what you would expect, negotiations. And the civil servants, the chief of staffs, would not write it up. They each went back to the prospective offices and said, hey, write this up this way, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to give up this, but we're going to get this. And so with that, they said, well, Arif, in order to do that, here's what took place. I go, what? He said, well, I went to my staff, and they said, we're not going to do it because we're going to live here for another 20 years. We have a 20-year career before we get our pension. (laughs) He goes, and they told him this. They go, listen, you're termed out in a couple of years. You can't run again. I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. So I'm not going to put my name on that, said the chief of staff. And the legislative aide agreed. So here was the Republican in the committee who stood up and said, I'm going to do something. And his own staff said no. And here's what they said. What are you going to do? Fire us? We'll go down the street and we'll get another job anyway. And besides that, you're gone in a couple of years. That's the state of California, guys. All right, stay with me when I come back. What's happening to the, to the plight of education? We have that. I'm Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE, 997-3847. Stay with me. I'm Arif Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arab Halaby. Your place for news, talk, and information. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I work about uh, you know getting you and your financial life uh, kind of built and structured. the The ob- objective is to have some or part of your financial life. Right, set up so you don't have to worry about things. You don't have to worry about being canceled. You don't have to worry about going uh, to work and having somebody turn around and tell you, hey, I'm sorry, uh, you lost your job. You go, but what about, why did I lose my job again? Well, we just downsized and come to find out it's because they read your tweets or, or they saw you like a particular post on Facebook. Right? Part of this story is, uh, well, you'll hear a lot of people common sense wise. They'll say things. They'll say, listen, use a fake name on Facebook. Be very careful of who sees what you put. Mark your stuff private. Uh, okay, uh, that, that's, a, that's a good way. Lock your house, you know, lock your door when you leave. Don't leave your keys in the car at the grocery store, at the liquor store. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of smart things you can do. And, and I think that's wise. I'm not, I don't have any concern about it. Right. You, you see a lot of people, they use fake names on Facebook. Fake names on their email. They have two and three emails, different names. But ask yourself this. Eventually, if you don't stand up for your right to do things, to be something, will anybody? Is that somebody else's job? The younger generation who, uh, listen, my generation and yours, I'm in my early 50s, right? We are, we're, we're part of that generation of, uh, in my day, kid, I can probably say that now. I think once you get past 45 or so, you can do the in my day, kid. 
after age 50, you can, get off my lawn. That's about age 50, 55 maybe. Get off my lawn, kid. And then right away, eh, probably in your 60s, you're on the porch with lemonade or tea. Iced tea. Oh, wants iced tea? You can do a little bit of that. It's kind of, there's, there's, there's gauges of what you can do. So, so I'm willing to say in my generation, back in my, I, I think we should take responsibility for a couple of things. And one of those is we gave up on the schools. We didn't realize when we were sleeping, they were manipulating, the left wing was manipulating our schools through school boards, through curriculum boards, through the ability to go out and try to manufacture what I think is uh, a, a student who looks a certain way, who acts a certain way. Look, there's no reason in the world Biden should be president. Election denier come with tr- proof. Uh, where's the line of the left-wing media going after Stacey Abrams or, or Hillary Clinton? Right. Everybody knew if you're in the intelligence community, all those clowns that signed that thing that, oh, President Trump was a part of the, uh, you know, clapper. And, and they knew they know. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, I would bet my net worth on this my entire life. I, I can't be more financially at risk if I were to tell you they knew that Hillary Clinton's emails were owned and read by both Russia and China. Everything that Hillary Clinton did on her devices for most, if not her entire tenure, the State Department of the United States of America was on the front desk of both China and Russia. They had a line. They could see it in real time. They knew what was happening, what she was telling the ambassadors, what she was telling uh, the president of the United States, what the president was communicating to her secretly was in real time on the desk of both Chinese intelligence and Russian intelligence, coupled with Dianne Feinstein's driver being a Chinese intelligence official for 20 years coupled with Fang Fang sleeping with Eric Falwell, do you not understand that they are playing hardball and you are playing, what gender, I'm sorry, what gender, his, her, hi, ho, who? They, them, they? You're worried about the color of the socks that somebody is wearing matched with whatever or the the, the dress on the red carpet with Kardashian and, and, and Grammy Ward... You're not even speaking the same language and playing the same game that the really that the adults are playing. The adults are playing. We're going to take America. Now, look, China's never going to take America and say, and now this street is not named Van Nuys Boulevard anymore or Ventura Boulevard. It's not named Whittier Boulevard. No, no, no. It's now named Chinkonga. No, no, no. They're not going to do that. They're not going to. What, what are they going to do? They're going to say, you guys serve us. And we're going to put in a puppet mayor and a puppet governor and a puppet president. Just like Biden is a puppet president. We all know that. He's bought and paid for. Hillary Clinton would have been bought and paid for by them as well. Very straightforward. We know that. We know the FBI knew that Hillary Clinton's emails were in possession of Russia. They knew that. That's why they gave all those people immunity. So 
I'm sharing this with you because there's one way for you to fight. You can grow up and you can get into the, uh, you know, the military and the FBI. You can run for office. You can be the person who is going to bring America back. You know, uh, the right way. That's fine. I want you to do that. I want you to also do it the right way by going into city council meetings and becoming a congressman or a congresswoman. Those are the right ways to make things happen. The right way is not for you to hide by changing your Facebook post to private. Okay, maybe that's a smart thing to do. I'm okay with that, right? You don't run around at 2 in the morning in a bad part of town and say, see, it's the smart thing. No, it's the smart thing to do to not do that. So there's some smart things to do or not do. One of those is to not send your kids to some random college. Right? I met somebody recently. He was older, in his 80s. He was proud of the fact that he went to Stanford, Stanford University. I thought, oh, that's cool. It's nice. Good for you. I've been there. It's a nice place. Beautiful. And then I overheard him say something like, you know, class of whatever it was. And I thought, wait a second. I went and looked up Stanford University. It was no more than a Cal college back then when he went. He accidentally went to a school that later on in life was going to become predominant and decent. He didn't know any better. It was a, it was a cow. It was an agricultural cow college university. Nothing big. So just like it could be decent, fifty, sixty years later, and it is. You know, it's still a, a pretty school. I, I think it teaches baloney, but that's my opinion. All right? I don't want my kid going there. I don't want him to hate me. Great. You take out a student loan. I have to pay it so that you can come back and hate me and my values and my religious faith. And thank you for coming into my home again. Really? Right. He played a different game. He played a game that said it cost a few dollars to go to Stanford University and it was a cow college. And surprise, years later, he goes, yeah, I went to Stanford. It was nothing back then. So guess what? Today you're saying, oh, my kid goes to uh, University of uh, California. My, my child goes to Harvard, Yale. Do you, what do you think they're going to be in 30, 40, 50 years from now? Maybe they'll be as predominant, right? Harvard and Yale were, were very nice schools back in the turn of the last century. Now, half of society laughs at them. And that leads me to my next topic. Ready for this? HigherEdDive.com. They publish a couple of things. One of those is a look at trends in colleges and universities that are consolidating since 2016, updated in February of 2023. The last few years have been tumultuous for many university colleges, universities and colleges. The United States institutions have pressure to lower tuition, stagnating state funding, and a shrinking pool of high school graduates has strained many institutions and their bottom lines and has questioned their long-term viability. All right, let's be clear on a couple things, guys. When you realize the amount of debt that people have coming out to work at a Starbucks or a department store or a in a field... That is not what they earn their degree in. Right? The old school is still playing the name game, right? But that's the same group that cared about what you wore. Excuse me, are those Jordash? 
Mm, nothing comes between me and my Jordache. Remember that? Name brand and members only jacket. Wait, let me see that. Where'd you get that? Did your dad buy that for you? Remember? The members only jacket. Jordache. Uh, uh, I can think of a couple others. I had sisters. But when it comes to the colleges and universities, there's still going to be a little panache. Maybe a lot. But only in some circles. As soon as somebody tells me, I had this just happen this week. Somebody says, I, I said, oh, how many children do you have? They said, I have four kids. Are they great kids? Well, they used to be. I say, are they good people? I always ask that. That's one of my top few questions. Are they good people? Sometimes people say, yeah, they're amazing. They're good human beings. We're so blessed. They work hard. Sometimes and most, most of the times they say one or two is astray and one or two, you know, are good. It's always hit or miss. Sometimes they'll tell you, well, we have one. And invariably, I will say, let me guess, that one went to a four-year university. And they will say yes. And they laugh and they chuckle. And I go, left wing? Yes, they are. We're trying to get them back. It's like they joined a cult. We're trying to get them back. Trying to rescue him. We, gotta, we have to deprogram him. It's hard, though, Eric. It's hard because all of his friends are in the cult as well. So what's happening with colleges and universities? There's a consolidation. You heard me talking about this many years ago, in fact. And I broke this down for a few reasons. Because many, many years ago, when I started to see a trend, I started seeing small universities being gobbled up mostly in the Upper East part of the United States, New England states. And this trend was going more and more uh, at a faster and faster rate. So what is happening today? I started broadcasting this probably six, seven years ago. What is happening today? California. Well, let's take a look. Yep, California has uh, eight universities and colleges that are consolidating as of the last few years. Shepherd University, Coleman University, Claremont School of Theology, Mills College, San Francisco Art Institute. They just announced closure just a few months ago. Marymount, California University. That was 2022, August. Said, sorry, we had a merger. Didn't work out. We were going to do it. Bad day. But guess what? I know you're going to think this is, you're going to, I know. You're going to say, that's just not true, Arif. Well, ready for this? The uh, administrators walked away with a lot of money. Not a little bit of money, but millions of dollars. If you add up the top top 10, they walked away with a nice chunk of money. But let me let me tell you this, and this is pretty important. They did say sorry. They said sorry as they closed the door and locked the door. They didn't mean it. I think that was the other thing they said. We didn't mean it. Another one, 2023, announced Presidio uh, Graduate School and Holy Names University. These are big names if, if you're regional, right? Holy Names University is a Catholic institution in Oakland. It announced it would close after a year of searching, failed to land it a, merging part, a merger partner. All right, here's important. You're going to see a lot of... Uh, religious schools, uh, theological schools on this list. But here's what I'm finding. When you go back and you do any research on these guys, it's usually when they went woke. 
Holy Family College in Wisconsin. Well, that's a nice school. Trinity Lutheran. Oh, how honorable. In Washington State. When you look at that, you start to see, what did they do wrong? Oh, my gosh. Well, they were religious in name only. There's a couple here in Southern California that are, quote, religious in name only. And there are some that hold truth to their faith. Right? The Master's University is solid college, solid university. In fact, it's growing. Its population at the Master's University, the Master's College, is growing. Because John MacArthur and his leadership have something. Ready for this? It starts with the C called Courage. Come on, you can say it with me. Courage. Yeah, John MacArthur has courage. Wow. There's other universities. Well, the jury is still out. They claim to be colleges of the faith and uh, Christ-centered and on and on, except that's their words. Let's watch their actions. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Somewhere I read that. Memphis College of Art. That's weird. An art school in Memphis, Tennessee. I'll finish up with this one. Martin Methodist College. Well, that's gone. There's another one of our religious schools that decided to go woke. Look, a lot of these colleges and universities, if your child has a degree from them, and hence a student loan, now not all of them do, but the San Francisco Art Institute was a very expensive school. And you may be somebody who is stuck with what's called a student loan or a parent plus loan from some of these uh, schools and institutions. The San Francisco Art Institute, you understand, was 151 years old. Why not borrow money to send your child there? Look at all the illustrious alum. The history. My gosh, an amazing institution. Well, what you might expect, and I don't know if this is going to happen, I could expect the Biden administration is going to do it. They're going to create some sort of a forgiveness of your student loan. I don't know, maybe. I can see it happening at least, where they're going to say something like, well, look, we know that uh, you were misled, they were misrun. Instead of going and putting these guys in jail from some of these colleges that steal, that stole or, or, or had these phony high level of, uh, uh, I guess, compensation packages, you would say. Right? I I told you that that was my last one. I do have one more. I do want to mention this one. Because Mills College, remember that? Ooh, Mills College. That sounds kind of, almost like you would lift your pinky when you drank a, a, a tea. When you said Mills College. But Mills College... 169-year-old liberal art school is now to be acquired by Boston-based, ready for this, Northeastern University. The college in California, Northeastern, isn't that cute? Northeastern of the city, maybe. Northeastern University. The deal means Mills will cease operating as a woman's institution whose numbers have shrunk in the U.S. over time. That operating model and the school's finances are no longer viable, Mills president Elizabeth Hillman said in a September interview, Mills students who complete their degrees before the end of June 2022 will receive a diploma from the college. Those who complete afterwards will receive a Northeastern University diploma. You see, we've told you, and you've known this 
for years that getting a student loan for your child or for yourself is a mistake. Now you say, well, if you don't understand our family, I need to, I get it. My rule was if you have to and you have to hold your nose to do it, you get no more than $10,000. Well, what are you going to do? Well, that means you've got to work three jobs. You have to spend time uh, working in the summer. You, you may even have to take less courses or take a semester off. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. Look, I remember when I was a police officer in West L.A. Division, I worked with a, a guy who was from New Orleans. He was an extremely impressive man. You know why? Because he went to LSW University, LS, Louisiana State. Right? I think it was up in Baton Rouge's LSW. He's from New Orleans, went up to LSU. But every summer, he would go out and work on the oil rigs. I think he worked four, five, six weeks at a time, something crazy. But he would not come back. He would stay out there because he had a very short window of time. He must have known somebody or something. He gets the job. So from the day, basically, school is out, he's out hitting the road, and he worked out in the Gulf of Mexico on one of those rigs. The storms, the craziness, the isolation. And he comes back. He said, Eric, I had no student loan debt. You know why? I said, why? He said, because I worked every summer wherever I could, whenever I could. And his last three year, three summers, he got the job working at... Uh, on the oil rigs. Look, that was impressive to me. Because do you think he'll ever do anything in his life that he's not going to feel like he can accomplish it? Because it wasn't handed to him? I know, I don't want to make it hard for my kids. I love my kids. But what I don't want you to do is to leave your kids massive amounts of money, massive amounts of no no debt. If they acquire the debt, then they should pay for it. Right. I get it. Some of you are, are struggling because you say things like, you know, we borrowed money. My son now decides he's going to sleep in the basement and not work. But I owe the student parent plus loan. And my kid isn't going to pay it back because he just doesn't want to. What do I do? Oh, my gosh, that stinks. I'm so my heart hurts for you. Because that son of a gun son should pay for it. He should. I think you should bring back shame. <laughs> I think, remember the old city square, right? Put them in the stockades, throw rotten fruit at them for a day. <laughs> I don't think we should do that with, with kids like that, with young people, with 20, 30-year-olds that disrespect their parents' money. But I don't know. I'm open to uh, you know other less harsh, but maybe more effective, at least as effective techniques. You got anything? Anything I can look at, anything I can say, uh, we're not going to throw things at them. But let's maybe the kids need to be, oh, I don't know, not given a participation trophy. Huh. Nah. I'm sure that didn't impact their life. Sometimes you have to tell their kids they stink at something, right? Mike Rowe makes it very clear. Sometimes you have to tell your children they stink. I think he uses another word, but. Right? No, you can't be a piano. Look, I had I have a sister. I have three sisters, amazing human beings actually, pretty pretty dang impressed because sometimes you get a you get a, a an outlier there, but but we didn't. We have great sisters, a great family, which means probably my parents are pretty good people. Certainly give them a lot of credit. But one of them tried to play the violin. I understand the first bit of time when you play the violin, everybody sounds horrible. Right? 
but she started at it. I thought we had six cats locked in a box fighting over a Cheerio. I didn't know what was going on. And before I knew it, the whole house was cleared out and my poor sister was trying to practice. We chased her to the backyard and said, you can't be in the house. Locked every door. We tried and at the end we just said, you're probably not a musician. Now, I, I didn't, I, I'm not that smart to, to be able to predict if somebody is a musician or not, but I'm hopeful that my parents stepped, somebody told her, that's not your thing. Go try something else. Some of you put your kids in soccer forever. And all they do is chase the ball around and you say, oh, listen, you're three years old. You're six years old. You're 10 years old. By the time there's a point in time when you say you're probably not good at this, it might be choir, right? I had to pull one of my kids out of choir and say, you're just not good at it. Now, in the end, we made that child finish the the commitment, right? When they made a commitment at church to be in the choir. But as soon as it was over, he was like, I am done. I said, that's a good idea. You're not happy. You don't have to be there. It's not his thing. Sometimes you are a blessing to teach somebody that they stink at something. But you have to teach your kids humility and you have to teach them shame. You you might not agree. I'm okay with that, but you give me another thing that will make them pay for a student loan that they didn't, uh, that they went to school uh, on their behalf. Why would you ever encumber your parents on something like that, right? And then you walk around and buy a $5 latte and put new rims on your car or you get a $750 a month lease on your new fancy sports car, right? Where's the shame? What do you mean going to Cabo for the weekend? What? How about, uh, I have a few years left before retirement, son. Maybe you can help. Hmm. All right, I have your emails coming back after the break. Stay with me, second hour of The Total Financial Show. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is The Total Financial Show, your place for news, talk, and information. Our phone number is 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Maybe I can help you with your retirement income. I'd love to do that. Give us a call. Stay with me. we we'll come right back. I'm Eric Hallaby on AM870, The Answer. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Hours. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Show. We talk about your emails. Here's my email address. If you have a question, you have an email, something you want me to address directly with you, sometimes we can do that. Certainly, you can give us a call at 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. 99-RETIRE. Okay. Important that you look at a couple of things. Uh, if you have an email that you want me to address personally and not on the air, just tell me. Uh, some of you have done that. Hey, please don't bring this up on the air, but I do want you to give me uh, your point of view or what you think or should I, can I talk to you on the phone? Any of those things work. I'm okay with that. What I want you to do is to look at a few things in your, in your financial life. And one of those is what is the common theme 
that seems to keep happening. Because here's what we see. People will reach a level of success based on what they're comfortable with. Meaning very few people will reach a level of success past their comfort level because what happens is you start to self-sabotage, right? We see that. You know it. Uh, People reach a relationship. And when they get to a certain level of intimacy, they self-sabotage. Some of you know that with uh, somebody who reaches the level of, of success in business, right? Certain level of business success and the money starts to come in. The accolades of success, they don't know what to do, and they self-sabotage. So people will reach out to certain levels of success and then backfire, uh, and then it will backfire, and, and they take two steps back. Okay. I want you to realize that this happens in marriages and relationships. I had a gentleman recently. He is the fourth husband. The third one passed away. The other two were divorces. And he said, Eric, uh, you know, I've known you. He's known me for quite some time. I've known him. He's been a client for a decade plus. He said, Eric, uh, and, and he, by the way, guys, is, is in his late 70s and his wife is in her, her mid 70s. And he said, Eric, uh, I met the love of my life. I said, great. Uh, nobody wants to be alone. He says, Eric, uh, I don't want to be alone. Right. You understand when you're 20 years old, you've got a whole checklist of things. When you're 40 years old, you start removing a few things. When you're 50 years old, you're like, fog a mirror, breathe, breathe. Woof. All right. Right. Maybe 60. But there's a point in time when you say, let's see, you got most of your teeth. You got some of your hair. I'm, I'm willing to take none. But some of you ladies look and say, I'm willing to settle. Others of you say, I'm not willing to settle at all. Hello, loneliness, my old friend. Sounds like a song I once heard on the radio. So I want you to to understand that your ideas of settling are not really bad. Settling is actually a good thing because it prevents loneliness. It allows you to create a life with somebody now, do I think you should give all of your, your assets over uh, to the other person who, who may have his or her own children or may have his or her own problems or maybe not? Maybe you have a, a premarital agreement. Maybe you keep your assets separate. Maybe you keep his and hers checking account and our checking account where we put in the, the bills of, of each of us you know, each month. There are things like that you can do to mitigate some of the financial risk. But I do want you to understand when you marry somebody that's at a different level of economic position in life, there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some drawbacks. There's going to be some uncomfortableness. And some of you ladies, I'm just going to say it this way because I'm a guy. This is what I know. Some of you ladies will get to a place where the guy wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. I don't mean just opening the door. That's an honorable, nice gentleman. I don't mean walking. Uh, when you walk into a room, he stands up. And ladies, there's some things I wouldn't sacrifice. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't compromise on. And that's one of them. There's just a politeness about that. Holding the door for you. Right? Walking next to the curb. If you're walking down the street on a sidewalk, the street side, the curb side is where the gentleman should walk. Lots of reasons. You can think safety, but it's about gutters, be, you know, cars going by and splashing up. 
right? There's some old-fashioned reasons. There's some politeness that goes with it. So I don't know if you're going to sacrifice or, or cut back on some of your expectations when it comes to, oh, I only want to be with guys that are 5'10 or, or taller. I only want a man with all of his hair, <laughs> right, who's fit. Okay, you can try those things. I don't want a guy without children. Ask yourself this. If he doesn't have children, if he's never been married, and he's 40-something years old, would you want to date that guy? Because chances are pretty good you're going to think something's wrong with him because why isn't he married yet? And maybe that maybe that's a good question. But I do want you to realize the older we get, the less picky uh, you should be when it comes to somebody in your life to spend the rest of your life with. But I do want you to understand this. As we are putting together this part of our life, right, the older we get, I want you to realize that everybody is in a different place financially. So instead of self-sabotaging when you come across somebody in your life that is uh, better off financially, I don't want you to self-sabotage. Maybe they want to take care of you, ladies. Right? Maybe he wants to she wants to take care of you, gentlemen. So so kind of give yourself a little bit of grace there, okay? Don't self-sabotage that relationship. Don't 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 make that relationship become something that it isn't when there's a huge disparity in income or assets. Be respectful, be appreciative. Okay? All right. I have an email for you. This email is important because I think you guys need to understand that in our lives, you don't get to choose your kids. I know this is a shock. You don't get to choose who you call child, and they don't get to choose who they call parents, right? All right, here's from Sue, Sue and Vince. Dear Eric, my husband and I have been married for 31 years. I'm 58 years old, and my husband is 70 years old. That's 12 years, guys, right? I did the math, <laughs> My husband is 70. He has had two strokes and currently does not have the use of his left side. My concern is that we are using our retirement accounts up at a faster rate than we had originally planned. We still have about $800,000 left in his retirement in his IRA. And his pension and Social Security totals $5,500. He is in he is in home his in home care costs nine thousand five hundred a month. His pension and social security income pays for our living expenses. We are currently spending about one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year on in home care. Our home equity is about six hundred thousand dollars, and our thought is to sell our home and use the funds to care for Vince. I know his $500,000 life insurance policy is something that I will have someday to replace some or maybe all of the money that I'm spending. And by the way, we also have about $100,000 in our savings account. Do you have any advice to help us manage through this challenge in life? My big concern, and here it is, folks, my big concern is since I am 58 years old and not yet avail, uh, eligible for Social Security, everything that we have saved in our retirement account 
is everything I have to live on for the rest of my life. I never worked and had a pension. Instead, I cared for our kids. That's Susan and Vince. All right, guys. I think you're going to be surprised at some of my possible solutions, right? This is possible. It's not, there's not, there hasn't been a 30-page questionnaire that she's answered yet or that he's answered. I, I don't know his medical history, but I'm going to give you some ideas. I think some pointers, some things that just might help. All right, here we go. There are uh, some life insurance policies that have critical illness and chronic illness riders. They are attached to a life insurance policy. Now, you didn't indicate, Sue, whether Vince has a term insurance or a cash value insurance. In either case, at the age of 70, he still might be eligible to convert, which means go from a term insurance plan into a permanent plan. Now, what will happen if, it, if that's the case? Well, number one, the cost of insurance will go through the roof because it just does. But the good news is if you're only going to convert it, if it has a critical illness or a chronic illness rider. Here's what that means. That means they will pay out the death benefit today, now, while he's still alive. We don't have to wait for him to pass. And you can use some of that money, and it might be, oh, let's just say 40000 a year, something like that, thirty or 40000 a year. Okay, so it might be something, enough, to help offset some of those costs that you would be incurring to care for him and reduce some of the pressure on the IRA, reduce some of the pressure on your savings account. So there's less money coming out each month. You can keep your home because you're 58 years old. The chance of you living another 40 years, what, without a house? Of course not. So you're rightful to, uh, you're, you're right to be scared but here's some solutions. Look at that life insurance policy. See if it has a critical or chronic illness, rider. And if it does, we can take a look at it. Right? You bring it in. We'll give you a second opinion. We'll look at it. We'll see if we can make some adjustments. That might help. Next, I want you to consider selling the house and downsizing to a single story. You may already have a single story, but maybe the answer is, since you have such an enormous amount of equity, which is a lot, right? 600000 I think, is what you said, right? 600000 in equity, right? Yeah. That's $600,000 in equity. Look, if his family is helping, that's great. But if his kids are not, then being close to them may not be a financially feasible. Because I want you to stay in a single-story house. I don't want you to go out... And move in the middle of nowhere to a double sto- single uh, single story or a double story house, right? I-, I want you to have family and health help around it, around you. But his doctors, maybe you can find a place to rent for a couple of years that is a single story close to his doctors, to his hospitals, to his physical therapy. And you might want to consider capturing some of that home equity. While he's still alive, you both are entitled to $250,000 tax-free out of the house. 
and you can pull that out. Sell the house, keep the cash. Sounds like most of it is going to be tax-free anyway. That's an option. What else is an option? Well, I would bifurcate that IRA. Consider taking that individual retirement account, especially if you're going to go back to work or you can work. So, Sue, if Vince gets better, I want you to go back to work, stay, save some money. If he passes away, take some time, of course. But then you might have to go back to work anyway. And whatever you have left in your retirement account, whatever you receive from your life insurance, is a great foundation to build off of. And that becomes part of the next level for you, the next generation of your financial income. But here's an important part. If you already have a single-story house, you have the option to use some of the funds, the equity, if you're going to keep the house. We're not going to move. I like the house Neighbors, friends, church, family, all of that is, you're not going to sell. I want you to consider widening bathrooms, doing some minor remodeling or major remodeling while you still can. Okay, don't don't make it into a full-on nursing home because it's not going to be resellable. Someone's going to have to undo all that mess. But there's a way to make the, the bathrooms a little wider, use a larger door. There's a way to make the hallways a little wider maybe. Right, Put in double doors so you can open those double doors and, and go down the hallway before you make the other turn. There's some things you can do. All right, consider all of that. But here's the, the, the last resort. And I mean the last resort. Well, before I get there, let me tell you what I would do when I, when I tell you about separating or, or dividing up that retirement account. I would break up that IRA into a couple of different buckets. One of those, I might do a $200,000 IRA and consider annuitizing it. Life only, which means as long as he lives, that $200,000 will be paid out maybe in uh, maybe $15,000 a year, let's just say. Maybe $20,000 a year, something like that. $200,000 Twelve or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a year, forever for as long as he's alive. But if you receive one payment, and you have annuitized it, you received one payment. Then they keep the rest of the money. So it's a gamble. It's a, it's a, not quite my last resort, but one of them. I'm going to give you. It's a second to the last resort. What does it do? It preserves the house under your name. It preserves the life insurance. It preserves uh, the retirement accounts, the rest of the retirement accounts. So it does give you some of that kind of a waiting period before you get to age 62 or 65 until your Social Security check's a little higher. Okay, what is my last resort? Well, let me recap for you guys. Sue and her husband... He's uh, 70 years old with a stroke, currently paralyzed, had two strokes actually on his left side. She is 58 years old, so younger. And they're using up their retirement accounts faster than they originally planned. They have about $800,000 in a retirement account. They have a $500,000 life insurance policy on him. But 
with their home equity of $600,000, what is my last resort? It's to do something called a reverse mortgage. Now, why is it a last resort? One is because, Sue, you are not 62 years old. So we have to follow the provision that allows you, and allows your husband for that matter, to do a reverse mortgage. It allows you as the wife to stay in the house, even if he passes away, they give you a reverse mortgage, if you can't pay it back. But at age 58, if you're going to stay in this house, eventually the house will be just given to the bank when you die. You can stay there forever. It's great. But if you think you're going to sell it at the age of 72 and move to another place, probably not. Here's how a reverse mortgage works. It's the basics. But whatever loan is on the house is removed. So no longer do you have to make that mortgage payment. And they might give you a chunk of money, a lump sum or, or a monthly payment, maybe $1,100 a month. Plus, you don't have to pay your house payment of 2000 a month. That's pretty good. That $1,100 a month is usually enough to pay for your property taxes, your upkeep, your insurance. So there's not normally going to be an income stream, a wash. It's a wash, basically. They've taken and paid off your house mortgage, and they give you enough money to pay for your property taxes and your insurance. So what do you do? Well, you have to pay for the upkeep. You have to maintain it. But if you leave the house for one year and one day, it forces the loan to be satisfied. You have to sell it. If you pass away, your kids have that same year. They got to do something with it. But here's why I say it's the last resort. I know some of my friends that sell this. They love it. They provide these solutions to their to their uh, clients. But here's my reason why it's the last resort. Rich people write the rules, right? You get it? They don't write the rules to hurt themselves, their friends, and their family. They write the rules to help their friends and their family. And the rules say this. If you want to pass on generational wealth, you want to leave a legacy financially speaking, then what you leave to your children is real estate and life insurance, primarily. There's a couple other things, but really Roth IRAs, Real estate, life insurance. Those are the biggest assets that are tax-free. The IRA is for you to spend. You spend that down to zero. That is your life savings. You spend that baby down. Oh, you spent it all already? You got you know, you got a few, a few dollars left? Great. Now you get a reverse mortgage. Right? But what you've done is something very simple. Because your IRA... In this case, it's $800,000. Let's say both of you were to pass away and, and the balance is still 800000 and you'd leave it to your children. They only get about five or 600 maybe at the most, five fifty, something like that. Where does the rest go, Arif? I'm glad you asked. It goes to the IRS and the state of California because that IRA has yet to be taxed. So if you don't pay tax on it, that's fine. You've passed away. But your beneficiaries better pay tax on it. They have to do that. And if they don't, the IRS takes it. So that means if your kids, your daughter, your son is, is successful in their life, financially speaking, they have a great income, whatever their job is, their income is, their business, and you leave them money, you have now just increased the tax rate on their own money. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. You left me your IRA. I have to now pay income taxes on it. 
when I take it out, and it means my personal income is also going to be higher. Now, there's some workarounds, and we're not the only ones that created it. I don't know if I never heard it. I made it up, so I'm sure other people have done it as well. But there's a workaround. If you if you have received an inherited IRA, an inherited retirement account, there's a solution. There's something we can do to help. Please let us know. You can call us at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. 997-3847. That's an 888 toll-free area code. So the concern is this. When you're 12 years in age apart and you're 30 and 42, oh, that's cute. That's nice. Can't even tell. You look like brother and sister, right? He dyes his hair or she uh, is a bit more mature, right? 20 and 31, 32. You see it. But it's different when we're 58 and 70, isn't it? Or 60 and 72. And so you have to be careful. Where do I really see it? Well, let's say 62, 65, and 82, 85. Uh, That's a big number, guys. That's not even in the same ballpark. In your 60s, you're playing pickleball. In your 80s, you're happy to be awake. I mean, right? Things change. I know some of you are going to complain there if you don't understand. Listen, I have my father-in-law is 93. He's very active, still drives. Send me your email. I'll tell you when he's on the road. But other than that, he still drives. He's a great guy, great man. You ask yourself this. If I have a big age gap between me and my spouse and everything is fine right now and you're happy and everything's, then this is the time we prepare. We don't wait until somebody's had a medical event because sometimes that's the only time we know that we should start making a difference. We can help. All right, you call my office. Get on the calendar. It doesn't cost anything. We never charge anything to meet with you. If we can make a difference, I'm I'm gonna tell you something surprise. Ready? Every product in the world, financially speaking or otherwise, has a profit built into it. So sometimes financial professionals will charge you a fee and they make commission behind the scenes. That's not what we do. Every product has a fee built into it, a commission built into it. That's how we are paid. Whether you buy a glass of water or rather this, a bottle of water, a car, a life insurance policy, an auto insurance policy, a baseball hat, it it doesn't matter. Whatever you buy is not for the price of manufacturing. Somebody's going to get paid. Same thing. You walk into a bank, you're not giving the teller a dollar, the branch manager $2, but you know they're paid because they're going to give you this interest rate and they're going to charge the next guy a higher interest rate. The spread is how they make a living, right? They make a profit. That's the difference. That's how we've chosen to be paid as well. So maybe my office can uh, can schedule a time for you to pop in. Stay with me. I have your emails when I come back. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby, The Total Financial Show. When I come right back. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. 
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. This is the Total Financial Show. I'm Arab Halaby. Your hour for news, talk, information, and your emails. That's what the second hour is all about. Thanks for being with me. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Your financial hour is about a couple of things. It's about you, right? Common sense. <laughs> your job is to not go out and become an expert in every single thing you do. How many times have you started the car, but before you did it, you went in and checked to see. Did the cylinders and the distributor cap have they have the proper management when you look at the fuel injection and no, you open the door, you sit in and you push a button or start the car, turn the key, don't you? And you do so because you have trust that somebody you've never met built this car, that somebody you never met helped drill the oil. And somebody you never met refined the gasoline, brought it to the gas station, put it in the pump, made sure water didn't leak inside of the gas tank. Because, you know, if it did in the ground there, those gas tanks, right, those things are sealed. If water got in there, you realize the gas is ruined. It messes up your engine. You're done. And you just spent twenty, fifty, dollars $100,000 or more, hundred and fifty if these Teslas, right? You just bought this fancy car. And you trusted somebody to make it, to bring it to you, to, to do the parts, to make sure the brakes are going to work, and on and on. So you can't afford to not trust those people, because you do. You do, and you just say you do. You guys trust the people that you've never met on the other side of that double yellow line. Remember when you're going on that two-lane highway, and you're about six feet apart from each other, sometimes closer? and you drive right by that person, you're going 50 miles an hour, they're going 60 miles an hour. Together, that's a closing distance, right? If you were to be driving, you add it together. This is the old geometry, uh, algebra, remember this? Train leaves uh, Columbus, Ohio at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The other one leaves uh, Des Moines, Iowa. They're running toward, remember that? This is that same formula. You're driving one direction at 50 miles an hour. The guy coming at you is driving 60 miles an hour. If you hit him, It is as if you went into a brick wall at 110 miles an hour. Yep. That's the physics of the story. And yet you do it every day, don't you? Your cars, by the way, are not made to do that. Your bodies are not made to handle that kind of a crash. Not very well, anyway. So... You trust somebody to stay on their side of the lane. Somebody you never met, you'll never meet him again, you'll never see him again. And you trust that they're going to do that job. So I share that with you because I want you to know that you have a gut feeling. You know, your gut's telling you your car is going to start. Your gut is telling you, hey, the guy that made this hamburger behind that screen that gets paid $12 an hour, he didn't poison my hamburger before it comes through the drive through window. Now, some of you are going to say, well, you have to trust somebody sometime for something. Well, some people don't, right? Some people are pretty darn particular and they have their own little uh, idiosyncrasies, right? Special needs uh, issues, whatever you call it, where they they are germaphobes and they don't trust anybody to do this and they always prepare their own meal. There are people like that. Very few, 
Let's be real about it. There's probably more of them than trans people, but certainly there's very few of them. Right? We're changing the world to operate on, on the trans uh, lifestyle. We might as well change the world for the folks that are germaphobe and, and on and on. And I want you to know this. Look, we all have our own little things that we're a bit weird about. Many would tell you, right? Many will tell you that we're all a little bit odd, right? Anybody that knows you will say, well, he or she's a, he's a little bit different. But where we have a problem is not in our own little idiosyncrasies and our own little habits and our own little weird traits that we all have. Where we have to draw the line is when somebody is making choices to do things that are dangerous or bad. Where we draw the line with our trust when somebody is going to tell you or has already shown you that they are making bad choices, they are doing bad things, they are making mistakes, if they have already shown you that's who they are, what do you think is going to change if you give that person a lot of money, for example? Right? If somebody has shown you a pattern of behavior that they are not good with kids, you're not going to leave them with your two-year-old and your six-month-old and say, we're going to go out to dinner take care of them. I know that you're not good with kids. In fact, I know that you're so lousy with children that uh, they keep getting hurt. So we're going to leave our two with you because there's a relationship between us. Right? If you had a sibling that was just bad with kids, no matter what, the kids are always getting hurt. Somebody's breaking a leg, jumping off a roof. Uh, swallowing a crayon, you wouldn't. You would say you're not staying with Auntie So and So, right? You may you make excuses and whatever you have to do to make sure that Auntie So and So is not watching the kids. Sorry, we're busy. Sorry, we found somebody else. Oh, I know you offered, but that's so kind of you. But no, thank you. Because your instincts are telling you that. Okay, so here's where I'm going to with our next email, and the name is removed. But I want you to, we're going to call, uh, well, we'll call him Tom. I think that's a good number. Actually, you know what? I'm going to call him Pat. You know why? Because it could be a guy or a girl. It's one of those names where it could be anybody. Pat. All right. So here's what Pat has to say. Dear Eric, we have five children and one of them is a recovering addict. But sometimes she does relapse and I worry about what cycle she will be in in her life When we both pass away, we have two properties that are both paid off and one of them we live in. The rental income we have from the other is $3,100 a month. We want to leave the money left over to our children. We have a duplex that we just sold. Sorry, we had a duplex that we just sold and that gives us a total of $600,000 after tax money. We currently have a revocable living trust and our thought is to leave the real estate as a rental staying in our trust so that our kids can have the monthly income to live on and to supplement their life later on after we pass away. If they rent out both of our houses, it should bring in around $6,500 a month in today's money. Our other concern is for her, our daughter's two kids. If we leave the money for her, 
Will she spend it all before they get a chance to have any? We want our grandchildren to have some of the money. But our thought was to leave it for their college. They are currently three and six years old. And that's from Pat. Okay. A couple of things here as we break them down. Number one is they have five children. One of them is a recovering addict. I want you to understand something, guys. It's not your fault. How many people tell you that? How many counselors? How many counseling sessions? Maybe this time if a stranger on the telephone or, or the radio tells you, maybe you'll believe it. But I'm telling you this for this reason. You can trust your instincts as a parent with the other four because they've made good choices. Right? We used to tell our kids when they would leave the house when they were teenagers and right, teenagers and, and even when they were 18, 19, 20, 21, we'd make good choices. Sometimes we would give them a little code if their if their uh friends were with them. MGC, right? My wife would say MGC. The kids would know that means make good choices. Remember. Well, some would say rec- uh, an addict is is a disease and some will say it's choices. I, I'm not going to debate that with you right now, but I'm going to tell you this. If she relapses, you cannot trust her. She has told you already, don't give me the money. But here's what you've done. Many people, maybe even I'm guilty of it sometimes. You equate love with money. So I must give equal money to everybody because I equally love them. And that is not the case. Do not make that mistake. It's what people do when they make mistakes financially because they've never been trained how to pass on wealth. They're not bad people. They just haven't been trained. Nobody's taught them how to pass on wealth. In fact, you probably will can interview those people and ask them, Did you receive wealth from your family and your parents in a proper manner? And they're going to probably say, no, my parents bought a house in 1941 and they lived in it for 42 years and then they died and they gave it to me and it was paid off. That's not passing on wealth, right? That's different. Passing on wealth is a methodical, systematic, habit-filled, trained way to make sure that your children have the ability to teach, not to learn. You don't want to teach them to learn. You want to teach them to teach so that it continues. It doesn't end. It's not a cul-de-sac. You want the road to go through. You want the road to continue. So here's what I want you guys to do. Consider not having the trust continue because here's what happens. Think of it like this. The J. Paul Getty Museum, right? J. Paul Getty Trust. Hearst Castle, These things are trusts in some form or fashion that have been around for 100 years and will continue for another 100 years. And there are people that are paid and there are trustees and there are attorneys and CPAs and layers and layers of people to manage the billions, yes, with a B, certainly in the J. Paul Getty uh, Trust, billions of dollars. Okay, so understand this for a minute. Those billions of dollars make enough money, have enough money to pay all those people, the CPAs, the financial advisors, the attorneys, trustees. Your trust does not. So I don't want you to think of this as, well, you know, I'm going to have a trust that continues because if you do, the trust 
as a whole that's going to collect the rental income from everybody is going to have to continue forever based on the big number. What's the what's the cost? Because they charge you a fee based on everything. Oh, I didn't uh, I didn't get that from you. But let's just say, oh, I don't know. It's probably going to be three million dollars. It's a heck of a lot of money, $3 million. Oh, my word, that's good, great, good for you. But it's not enough to have a trust last for the rest of the generation and generation. It's not. Now, I do want you to have a revocable living trust while you're alive. Living trust while you're alive. When you pass away, it becomes an irrevocable living trust. It locks down. All of the decisions you made are done. But I want you to consider this. Inside of your trust, you have five children. You give each of them equal amounts of money because that, if that's what you want to do, I'm, I'm guessing. Except remember that fifth one? You know, she's struggling a little bit. You don't give her the money. You give a special needs trust. It's called the special needs trust. We've often uh, used them for kids with Down syndrome, kids that are uh, mental challenges. Severely autistic kids that may not ever be able to fully comply with uh, societal norms when it comes to income and balancing their budgets and managing. So they need a little help. Okay, so the trust is there to help pay for their what? Food, shelter, income, clothing, uh, uh, income, I mean, uh, uh, insurance, clothing, internet, cell phone, transportation needs. Okay, their food, shelter, clothing, those kinds of things, those needs that come through, including internet these days and a cell phone, right? Including things like insurance because they might need it for their home. But the special needs trust exists as one of the beneficiaries and she, doesn't matter how old she is, it doesn't matter if she has mental challenges or even holds down a regular job. What position will she be in when you pass away? Will she be three weeks sober? And both of your deaths are going to drive her to drink again? Or whatever her, her issue is? right? Whether it's drugs or alcohol, I don't know. Will she be nine years sober and be perfectly fine and be able to mentally handle the passing of her parents? Okay, fine. But the special needs trust says we are here, we are open, we have a zero balance. Nothing is in it, it's empty. Upon the passing of the, the last of you two, Pat, then her portion goes into this trust and is therefore distributed based on the rules that you lay out. Again, her food, her rent, uh, her, her car, transportation, insurance, whatever it is that you want to cover for her. Now, the trustee, now here's the part that's different. This trust does live for a while, but with one-fifth of the balance, which means the fees are going to be a little bit lower, maybe even a lot lower. One-fifth of the balance that you would expect because the other four are trustworthy. They've proven themselves. You give them the money. They can do with it as they choose. So how do they get the money? Very simple. In your trust, you and your attorney will sit down. One of the things you can choose to do is to say, put everything in a bucket and divide by five. Sell it all. Go to cash. Sell the house. You have a couple months three months, six months, whatever. By that time period, everything is done. It's sold. It's now in one cash form. Whatever money is left in our retirement accounts, whatever's money is left in my savings and checking, and divide it by five. Each child gets their portion. 
the young lady that's that's a recovering addict, she goes in her her portion goes into the special needs trust. Now you got to decide who's going to be the trustee. Someone's got to make those decisions. Who would it be? I want to caution you on having it be one of her siblings. Because you mentioned that she has two little kids, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. She's probably, based on your age that you had mentioned, she's probably your youngest child, the, your, your fifth child, because she has young babies. You can say, I'm going to take those kids' portion, whatever you want. You can take those dollars, separate them out, and in the trust, give them to her directly. That means those kids get it without any waiting for her to die, right? The other grandchildren may not get anything because maybe their parents will spend it all. But if you have a special place in your heart because you think that your addicted daughter, your recovering addict, just may not be able to care for these two children, you can set up where when you pass away, a college fund is opened and it's funded and it's managed so that when they grow up, when they go to college, when they decide to use it for any kind of education, higher education, uh, trade school, uh, buying a laptop computer, uh, cheerleading practice, band practice, uh, drafting uh, school, it doesn't matter. Chess camp, Boy Scout camp, whatever you want it to do, you can have that trust set up for them. But this is what makes a big difference, guys. I want you to realize that if you want somebody to live in that house, right? Please don't have it be her. I'd prefer that you sell the house and divide the money. Because I know you're worried about her having a place to live. Because most parents do. That's what they are. Especially the ones that can't care for themselves. Well, they're not the ones you give money to. Now, you can pay her rent at her apartment from your, your portion. You can say, the trustee is going to say, I'm going to give you half of your rent. So if her name is Susie, we're going to call her Susie. Susie, here's what happens. You come to the trustee, and that's going to be J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Great West uh, Trustees Services, Inc. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, you pick a trustee. I don't want it to be one of her siblings because here's what will happen. Her siblings, right? Her nieces and nephews will never talk to her children ever again. Why? Nobody will know. So your legacy on this earth is to take your family and blow it up and say, we don't talk to the Joneses, right? We don't talk to Auntie so-and-so. Why? I don't know. I don't remember. I was too young. So I want all five of them to hate those same person. They will all hate Mr. and Mrs. Trustee. That professional trustee service, yeah, it's going to cost you money. Of course it does. But let them hate them. Let them be mad at Mr. Jones or Mrs. Smith. Let them be mad at that person. Yeah, you're right. She's a son of a gun. She's not giving you money. I know you went and asked her. You told her you needed it. You showed it. Right? The other thing is education, by the way. She, the trustee can pay for education. Sometimes they might say, because you might put it in the trust, the trustee might say, it has to be paid for first by you. Then you come to me with a report card that said you completed the course, and then I will pay you back. You can do that. I'm not going to just give you money. right? Today you understand what many, many community college, this is a scam, by the way. It, does, it happens all the time. 
you can go to see the huge percentages in community colleges. I know this based on a local community college in northern L.A. County. Here's what they do. They go in. They apply for their 12 or 15 units. They get all their student money, their free government aid. Give me my 2500 bucks, my 5000 Give me all my free money. And then they drop the class and get a refund. And guess what they do next semester? Yep, all over again because there's no limit. It's not like you do this twice and, you're, and that's it. You've used your portion. No, no, no. They keep going over and over and over. Never buy the books. Heaven forbid. What's the last day to drop? Got it. So it's a trick. It's what these people do in community college. It's part of the reason the, the state is broke. The state should not be ever be giving free education to anybody for anything. You want free education at Cal State whatever or, or, or College of the Canyons? No problem. You come up on Saturday. Every Saturday I need you here. Why? Because you're going to be picking up trash in the parking lot. You're going to be mowing lawns. You're going to be sweeping, painting, cleaning up. Yeah. Imagine that for a minute, right? Go to the high schools and start sweeping. Yeah, you can do that. So I digress a little bit, but I want you to realize you're going to have to keep some guardrails on this money. And you guys can sit down while you're 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 mentally clear, you're sober. There's no uh, like the last email uh, I received, right? The last listener, lovely lady. But it's a little too late to get a complete thorough clear-headed answer because her husband has had two strokes. So, Pat, you two can sit down, lay out what it is you want to do, what are the guardrails, what are the rules, what are the, the guidelines, the exceptions, and on and on. Right? Maybe she's sober for 10 years and three of the four other children are allowed to go to the trustee, sign an affidavit, and say, we believe she is uh, strong and able and willing to now care for herself. Please release the rest of the money to her in one big check. Here it goes. Right, you can do that. Where, where three of the four other kids in a private secret ballot from themselves and from her can petition the trustee to release the funds. Right, This is your special needs trust, guys. You can lay it out any way you want. You can leave the grandkids a little bit of money, a lot of money. You can consider a family member the trustee, but I'd like a non-family member. That's my, this is a, what, 27 years of experience. Thousands of people that have come across my desk, right? My office, my, my conversations with them on the phone, thousands and thousands. And here's what I have found is that it almost never works. In fact, I can't think of one that works unless you have an only child. Right, The only child is the trustee. The only child is the beneficiary. The only child is your only child, and it's easy. But if you have a situation where kids are going to have different personalities, then have them hate the professional, the guy with the suit and tie. You're going to pay him anyway. The lady in the beautiful Donna Karen pantsuit, if, if they still wear that stuff, right? Have them hate her, not you. All right, very important stuff. Here's my phone number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. You can also go to, uh, or send me an email to Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif, at TFSWealth.com. Remember, Arif rhymes with sheriff. I think that's a great way to remember it, right? Even though I was a police officer with LAPD, retired, it rhymes with sheriff. Should have been a sheriff, I guess. (laughs) 
Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFS Wealth. Stands for TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions. T is in total, F is in financial, S is in solutions. All right, thanks for being a part of the show. Arif, at TFSWealth.com for your emails. And give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. If you'd like to come in, second opinion on your retirement accounts, maybe I can help. It's been an honor. You have a wonderful day. See you next week. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.